0: Midday is on the air from the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to your midday portion of information on just about everything that you can think of, and certainly everything we've thought of. And Clay Patton is here to speak on behalf of, well, we've got people strung all over the country today, don't we? Not necessarily uh, for work. We've got a a former colleague who is getting married, and that has taken a few of our manpower hours away from us, hasn't it?
1: Yes, Jesse's getting hitched, so we've got a few heading the further east, and uh, following right along, just taking the snowstorm right with them. Yeah. So, exciting there, and then we the, still have uh, Bryce Shaley at Nebraska State FFA Convention, along with Alex and Hannah, so seeing a lot of great coverage come from that. It looks like it's been a great 90th annual convention, and of course, Rural Radio, uh, uh, just glad to be a part of that. So, On the agenda for the Ag Crew today, course 1219, we have Shaylee and Al Dutcher joining us, and Al hopefully able to bring us a little insight on where Mother Nature has went and when Old Man Winter will actually be gone. Mm -hmm. And then at 1245, Jason, our very own Jason, joining us with a little Scott Frost talk. Ah. We're excited
2: to hear that. We
0: just go ahead and open the microphone. Let's hear a little bit about that
2: it's not every day that we get a talk to the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers but we will today we'll get his thoughts about the spring what he's like so far where they need to get better Mm -hmm. he's saying all the right things he has said all the right things since he was hired Uh I think improvement is coming people have to be patient yeah Rome was not built in a day (laughs) <laughs> this was a four-built
0: Rome. <laughs> yeah. into a three year. <laughs> yeah. This was a
2: four-win football team last year that nearly didn't even win that many. Yeah. But you got to like the approach, mm-hmm. going old school. He's highly involved. He's really believes in development. So, all right, there we go. Very good. One seventeen. Alex joins the Ord FFA,
1: who created the officially licensed FFA fragrance. There's you know, a fragrance? There's a fragrance. I don't know. I've never personally smelled it, so I cannot tell you, you what it is. You need to get us some of that, because
0: we need yes. to do a review.
1: <laughs> the the a official review.
0: Rural Radio Network review.
1: We're going to go from Scott Frost, make you feel warm, <laughs> good on the day, and
0: then we're going to go to
1: fragrances.
0: <laughs> Who would have thought that? So, uh, I know they're talking a lot about uh, about work ethic over there
2: they are and especially how they needed to be tougher had to be in better physical shape mm-hmm. coach frost said some of the newcomers who came in were actually in better shape than the guys who's been there which that speaks volumes yeah, it does. so but he's he's done it all i think in a very high class way by not really criticizing what was done before just yeah. saying the way I do things, this is built different.
0: This is where it's got to be. All right, and that's coming up at twelve forty-five. What else is for?
2: Uh, big changes to how the Nebraska NSAA uh, basketball tournament works for classes C one through D two. They will go to this sub state format, and then you win your sub state, and then you go on to your district final. So, this is a big change. We'll talk more about that in sports.
0: All right. And, of course, uh, we'll kind of keep you uh, up to date on what we can on what baseball is going to do this weekend. Bob, what do you have in business? Renewed trade tensions are
3: sending stocks lower. We we said that things were seemed to be getting better yesterday. Well, the wheels are kind of coming off that wagon. So uh, we've got some more trade tensions heating up. Also, Ford recalls some trucks and F- SUVs over gear indicator. And uh, Dunkin' Donuts coming out with
0: Donut Fries. Hey, I'm for it. It's all coming up for you today on Midday. Well, unless Paul Perkins is going to talk about (laughs)
4: sports, we're going to have to change that. I hit that wrong button earlier today, too. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just (laughs) made
0: that my target is not big enough today or something. Uh, It is uh, ag weather, of course, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. And it seems like we just get more and more freezing and showing up on radar.
4: Exactly, yeah. Temperatures uh, staying on the chilly side. They're actually dropping right now. A lot of us in the low 20s as some cold air continues to drop south, some Arctic air off of a... Area of low pressure centered over Canada right now, and a lot of us seeing some winter-like conditions with snow.
0: Some of that central Nebraska, I think the about the most I've seen so far is about that two-inch reading. But is there more to come?
4: Exactly. Yes, there is. Uh, most locations not going to see a whole lot with this system—about one to three inches. But yeah, uh, about two inches on average in many locations. Up towards Valentine and Rushville, though, the potential of about four to six inches of snow. All right. We do have those temperatures right now. Let's get in the low and mid-20s for the most part. Teens as you head towards the north, including 18 right now at Ord. The southern extent of this snow, most of it right along I-80, but the southern extent from about Ogallala to North Platte, Lexington, Kearney, and Grand Island, then up to about Stromsburg and Wahoo, and then pretty much points towards the north. A little bit of that snow to the south of the interstate towards North Platte and north of Imperial this snow gradually sliding towards the east and the southeast that snow expected to persist in most areas along the north of Viete today then gradually track to the south and weaken as the day goes on. Forecast models have trended lower on the store amounts, snow amounts with this system, lower on the amounts with most amounts expected to total up to about one to three inches, and most of that snow along and north of I 80. And we do have that winter weather advisory through today along and north of I 80, all the way from Ogallala to Omaha. A combination of the cold and steady gusty north winds also producing wind chills today in the single ditches. Normal highs this time of year. Are supposed to be up around 60, or at least are on average around 16. We're really getting shorted on that. You can see our latest snowfall forecast map on our Facebook page. Tonight going to be cold, record lows tonight as high pressure drops south and clears the skies. Tomorrow going to be dry and still chilly, but we will see some sunshine. Those chilly temperatures just hanging on tomorrow night into Sunday. A wintry mix is likely with light snow accumulations and the potential of some ice accumulations up to a tenth of an inch. But that should be mainly on untreated bridges and overpass. Uh, A slight risk of a wintry mix remains on into Monday. But overall, late in the weekend, we will start to warm up on our temperatures behind a warm front on Sunday. It's also going to be warmer than normal during the midweek with the ridge of high pressure moving overhead. But then we can return to more of an active period again late next week. Another strong storm starts to approach from the west. And we could see strong thunderstorms with this system on the warm side and the potential of another spring snow on the backside. Now, in our long-term forecast, temperatures start warmer than normal the mid to late part of the week in Nebraska and Kansas. By next weekend, though, through April 19th, Nebraska temperatures should be cooler than normal. Kansas looks to be seasonal to slightly warmer than normal. Mid-April daytime highs in central Nebraska usually average in the low 60s with overnight lows. In the mid to upper 30s, our precipitation forecast indicates below normal precipitation in the midweek in Nebraska and Kansas. Most of Nebraska and Kansas near normal to slightly above normal on precipitation late next week through the 19th. But southwest Kansas looks to stay drier than normal. Our weather factors in the markets include additional chilly weather in the Midwest and ongoing drought stress in the southern plains. Fast moving storms will maintain unsettled weather across much of the country into next week significant snow may occur in parts of the upper midwest by sunday where they're trying to get a ball game in in east lansing michigan three of them with the huskers <laughs> taking out michigan state dry weather will prevail the next five days from southern california to western texas cold air will remain entrenched in most areas east of the rockies now the cold air and wet fields will keep the midwest spring field work very slow across the northern plains very cold weather and periods of rain or snow Looking to lead to lower planted acreage totals for spring wheat in the southern plains where wheat crop ratings are already low. There's more wind than rain in the forecast over the next 10 days. Heavy thunderstorms this weekend in central Argentina this late in the season and on the heels of an extreme summer drought. Unlikely to change their prospects for either corn or soybeans.
0: And your ag weather is, of course, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. We've been talking quite a lot about whether or not this is going to be fit for baseball (laughs) this weekend. It's pretty cold in Michigan, too.
4: Yes, they had to cancel today. They're going to try and get in a doubleheader tomorrow. But we've looked at the forecast and the wind chill for the start of that doubleheader is supposed to be in the low and mid-20s for several hours, and they like to have that wind chill at least above 26 or maybe 27 degrees. So, The games may be in jeopardy tomorrow in East Lansing.
0: Well, we'll wish ourselves good luck with that. Yeah. And when you need weather anytime.
1: KRBN.com. China ups the ante in trade tensions. The impact of the EPA's recent renewable fuel standards waiver to refiners may not be known for some time. And we check in with Bruce Gorder on NAFTA negotiations. That's all ahead on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. U.S.-Chinese trade relations continue to deteriorate as Beijing and Washington, D.C. keep upping the ante at a game of economic superpower chicken. The AP is reporting that the Chinese government has vowed to counterattack with great strength if President Trump goes ahead with plans to raise U.S. tariffs on an additional $100 billion worth of Chinese goods. The trade ministry went on to say the negotiations were impossible under current conditions. The clash reflects the tensions between Trump promises to narrow the U.S. trade deficit with China that stood at $375.2 billion last year. President Trump has commented that China's trade practices have caused American factories to close and lead to the loss of American jobs. President Trump's top economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, said earlier this week in an interview with Fox Business Network that negotiations were ongoing. But he said, at the end of the day, China's unfair and illegal trading actions are damaging the economic growth for the U.S., for China, and the rest of the world. Domestically, grain farmers could be hurt by recent RFS waivers given to oil refiners. One ethanol industry official has said it's too soon to know the extent because the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is withholding details about those waivers. The agency is now under fire for granting nearly 40 renewable fuel standard waivers to so-called small refiners since 2016 including about 25 in 2017 as well. As a result, the Renewable Fuels Association is stepping up pressure on the agency to provide information on the waivers. This week, the RFA filed a new Freedom of Information Act request with both the EPA and the U.S. Department of Energy after the EPA didn't respond to the ethanol industry's January request for similar information. Renewable Fuel Association Executive Vice President Goff Cooper told DTN that the agency's waivers, along with a settlement reached between the EPA and Philadelphia Energy Solutions on Wednesday, are creating uncertainty and confusion for ethanol and corn demand. Finally today, a majority of the current trade news is focused on China, but NAFTA renegotiations are still ongoing. Bruce Gorder brings us an update on the NAFTA renegotiations. NAFTA renegotiations continue and may be coming to a head soon, according to USDA Undersecretary for Trade, Ten McKinney. Kelly Brunkhorst, he is the Executive Director of the Nebraska Corn Growers Association, is optimistic something can be worked out. The negotiations that we heard today that are going to happen next, where we have the actual trade ministers coming in, and hopefully maybe closing out some of this uh, renegotiation NAFTA is very positive. I think what I also heard in that discussion is once this is done, once NAFTA is finished, it frees up some bandwidth, was his exact words. So it frees up some capital of staff and, and personnel to really look at new opportunities of
2: opening trade around the world. That's Kelly Brunkhorst. He is the Executive Director of the Nebraska Corn Growers Association. And I'm Bruce Gorder on the Rural Radio
1: Network. Thank you, Bruce. Traders and analysts will be closely watching next week to see if NAFTA 2.0 will be announced during the 8th Annual Summit of the Americas held in Lima, Peru. President Trump is slated to be at the summit along with Canadian and Mexican officials. As we look out today, stay warm and hopefully the real spring is just around the corner. I'm Clay Patton. Keep a straight row and keep listening to the Rural Radio Network.
5: It's time again this week to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. Now waking up to snow in many parts of the state today. Is this weather something we can expect headed into this weekend and next week?
3: Well, a little bit trickier forecast for us compared to areas to the east of us. Basically, the system that's moving through today uh, expected to lay a foundation of snow. Probably the, the area that's most likely to see significant accumulating snowfall in the area of two to four inches would be around that I-80 corridor just slightly to the north of it uh, from northwest to southeast Nebraska. I don't expect this to cause a lot of problems in terms of travel but definitely it is cool and it's the concerns of course with planting season rapidly approaching whether this is going to continue now we get a little break tomorrow unfortunately uh we don't see the temperatures rebound much in eastern nebraska we'll be basically stuck in the 30s and then we have another quick moving system coming through so that should start through sometime tomorrow evening into the overnight hours it looks like primarily the eastern half of this state would be the focal point for precipitation probably start out as snow changing over to a mixture of snow freezing rain rain and then finishing up as all rain Slight cool down, of course, we would expect with a front coming through on Monday, um, back down into the, the uh, 40s to mid 40s. So we're still going to be running 15 degrees below normal here in eastern Nebraska. But then, boom, the, the ridge quickly builds in and we rebound to seasonal temperatures Tuesday, Wednesday, and potentially Thursday. That one's a little bit in question because another little wave starts to move out and strengthens as it moves the central plains and the uncertainty with this system is is exactly where they will lay the foundation of snow right now is pointing to the heaviest precipitation uh basically the northern couple ta- tier counties in Nebraska and the Dakotas and points to the east looks like another rather significant snow event for them if from the I-80 corridor southward, we may not get as much cold penetration, and so there may be the opportunity with soil temperatures after a few days of these 60s degree temperatures in the middle of the week warming up to where we might just be flirting with that 50-degree magical 50-degree mark at the 4-inch depth. The area I'm particularly talking about would be the McCook area over to south-central Nebraska, where right now, even after this cool conditions the last couple of days, we still have soil temperatures in the mid-40s. We're in the low 30s up in northern Nebraska. After we get through next weekend, it does look like most of the events coming through will be primarily in the form of rain. The colder air remains placed up in the northern plains. The big question is, how frequently will we have systems come through? And it looks like about every two to three days we'll have a system coming through although it doesn't seem to be deep diving systems in the western United States of any significance, so that should limit the amount of moisture with these systems, basically feeding on localized moisture at the surface and less of the Gulf moisture. So I think that we're probably going to start to see uh, planting activity, at least in the western Corn Belt from Nebraska, south, central Nebraska southward, will start to increase rather dramatically from mid-month on. If the models are correct and one of the things we've been saying is the models keep pointing toward warmer conditions only to see it fall flat on its face as we get closer to the event so at this point models once again say warmer temperatures coming in with the opportunity potentially to get planting done but as we've seen in the past things can quickly change in a week's time so this is going to be a very interesting spring And I can almost guarantee you that the area that's going to have the worst of these conditions is going to be the central and eastern Corn Belt, as that upper air trough in the eastern United States shows no signs of breaking down. So they're going to deal with these cool conditions all the way probably through the majority of April.
5: All right, thanks so much, Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. For more, you can visit ruralradio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
0: It's midday on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check sports now with Jason Jorgensen.
2: Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Jordan Spieth is missing fairways and struggling with his putter. Of course, he opened the second round of the Masters with a double bogey and a bogey, squandering a two-shot lead. Then he pushed his first drive way right and pulled his next one left. He also missed putts of 11 and 5 feet. So far, he has struggled. He has gone from 6 under to 2 under through 7 holes. To, he's 4 over for his round. Bernd Wiesberger of Austria now is the leader. He's 4-under for the tourney. The NSAA Boys and Girls State High School basketball tournaments will remain in Lincoln in the next five years, but how the Class C1 through D2 teams qualify for those tourneys will be different. The NSAA will now use the sub-state format for those classes. Beginning next year, those regional barriers will be gone in district play. The 12 sub champions based geographically from across the state and the top four remaining schools in the state wildcard standings will advance on to the district finals, which will be seeded and based on wildcard points. Now, the eight winners from the district finals played at neutral sites will then advance on to state. In other news, the state dual wrestling tournament, which has been held in Kearney the last several years, has been moved from the Saturday after the state event in Omaha to the Saturday before districts. Frozen Four continues on this weekend. Last night, it was Notre Dame over Michigan and Minnesota Duluth. They knocked off Ohio State. Speaking of Ohio State, trustees of that school are expected to approve a two-year contract extension for football coach Urban Meyer. That extension through 2022 will give Meyer a $1.2 million annual raise. The $7.6 million total cash compensation package makes a 53-year-old Meyer... The highest paid coach in the Big Ten and the third highest nationally. He is 73 and 8 in his six years in Columbus. Husker Baseball game this afternoon at Michigan State. That has been postponed. The two teams will try to play a doubleheader tomorrow. And due to the forecast of snow today and cold on Sunday, they've completely scrapped the Creighton series at home this weekend with Butler. It's been a wintry start to the baseball season. Eight games have already been postponed to Major League Baseball, while others have been played in frigid conditions. Players and fans aren't likely to catch a break anytime soon. Snow is in the forecast today at Coors Field, where the Rockies host Atlanta in their home opener. There's also a chance of snow at Yankee Stadium when New York takes on Baltimore. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
6: Becoming mostly clear tonight with lows around 11. I'm Dave Schroeder. One man has been arrested following the discovery of an improvised explosive device in a residence in Stratton. Investigators with the Nebraska State Patrol made the discovery while executing a search warrant on a residence in Stratton. The resident, Frederick Hamilton, age 51, is involved in a legal dispute with the village of Stratton. It was reported to NSP that Hamilton has made threats to inflict physical harm or death towards one of the village officials. Investigators had also received information that one of the threats included mention of an improvised explosive device. Upon executing the search warrant, NSP discovered an improvised explosive device that was consistent with the information given to investigators. The NSP bomb squad rendered the device safe. Hamilton was arrested for possession of a destructive device and threatening to use explosives. He was lodged in the Hitchcock County Jail. The son of Sean Penn and Robin Wright has been arrested on drug possession charges in Nebraska. The actor's 24-year-old son Hopper Penn and his girlfriend, 24-year-old Uma von Wittenkamp, were arrested Wednesday afternoon after a trooper stopped their vehicle on Interstate 80. The trooper detected drug activity inside the vehicle and found 14 grams of marijuana, four amphetamine pills, and three grams of mushrooms. Von Wittenkamp was charged with two counts of possession of a controlled substance, charged with possession of a controlled substance and possession of marijuana. Possession of a controlled substance is a felony. They were both lodged in the Hamilton County Jail. Meanwhile, troopers arrested two drivers after finding marijuana in their vehicles after other traffic stops in Hamilton County. The sport utility vehicle was stopped around 4.30 Wednesday for speeding on Nebraska Highway 14 in Aurora, It turned up 325 pounds of marijuana and more than a pound of marijuana edibles. A few minutes later, a trooper pulled over a vehicle, on I-80, near Giltner for failing to signal. A patrol canine alerted troopers to the presence of drugs, and a search turned up 55 pounds of pot. The estimated value of all the drugs was more than a million dollars. Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg says the company plans an audit of the Cambridge Analytica's accessing of improper data. She says that the company should have conducted that audit after first learning of the issue nearly three years ago and is now taking that step. Our app is a perfect companion to your phone. Download it free in the App Store or Google Play. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Jason Jorgensen with you on the Rural Radio Network. Well,
2: today we have a very special guest. New Nebraska head football coach Scott Frost joins us. Coach, thanks a lot for the time. You continue to work your way through spring practice. Uh, overall, uh, how would you judge how things have gone?
7: Well, we're getting better, and that's what needed to happen. Uh, we had a lot of work to do coming in here. I, I think the players needed a, a new culture. They need a new way of thinking. Uh, we got to keep improving that. We got to improve work ethic. We had a lot of work to do in the weight room, and and from a strength and conditioning standpoint, we're moving in the right direction. And we got a lot of ground to cover. I think we've we've covered the first few steps of it.
2: It sounds like you found a team that was pretty willing to buy into your way of doing things. That's got to be a great way to start.
7: Yeah, they are. I think anytime you have a tough year, uh, you're kind of looking forward to a, a new way of doing things and a fresh start. Uh, so the guys the guys have been doing what we ask them to do. Now it needs to be complete buy-in uh, not just buy-in on the surface um, i want them to understand why they're doing things the way they're doing them to take pride in it to demand it out of themselves not have the coaches demand it that's when you get the culture all the way there uh, so we're doing the right things but we have a lot a lot of work to do to get the, the depth of buy-in that we need
2: Had a handful of practices here in the spring do you have a real sense yet of um, the amount of talent you have to work with and and how that will mesh with your systems
7: well, the guys will be fine in our system. You know, we're going to keep recruiting here and, and keep bringing walk-ons in here. And, and I think that the key element that's probably been missing is development, um, developing these players. You know, I think for 30 years that was what Nebraska was better at than anybody else. Um, you got kids from the Midwest and uh, a few kids from, from other places, and you brought them in here and put them with the walk-ons and, and got them in the weight room, gave them reps at practice, Uh taught them and worked with them and by the time they were in their second third fourth year of college they were great players and um, uh, you know I, I don't think at nebraska there's another formula that's going to work we we need to develop and to work harder than people and uh, make the our, our roster from top to bottom better every single day we go out and, and that's the way we're going to get there
2: Seen a lot of pictures on social media with your junior day it looks like you've really tried to already uh, stretch out across the state and kind of strengthen those relationships
7: yeah, I, there's good players in this state. I, I've said this a bunch of times, but um, my senior year of college when we won national championship, nine out of our 11 starters were from Nebraska. And we're going to get the best players we can regardless of where they're from, but we're also not going to discount the kids right here in this state and right here in this region. Uh, a lot of those kids would come in hungrier. They're, they're going to play for uh, the Scarlet and Cream a lot harder because they have some... um some history in rooting for them and and they care about what happens here and and we need a a good group of Nebraska and Midwest kids on our football team.
2: Today on the Rural Radio Network we're joined by new Nebraska football coach Scott Frost. Coach let's talk about the quarterbacks a little bit have you seen any separation between these guys yet or is it uh, still too early for that?
7: They're still learning and it's hard to really judge guys and measure them against each other when they're still learning um, because you know they're going to make some mistakes based on needing repetition to understand what's going on and once we get to a point where the guys have had enough time to to understand the offense and to have a feel for it then then we'll have a better idea how they compare against each other right now we're just trying to get them all as many reps as we can
2: got some newcomers also some juco guys Uh, what do you make of their progress
7: they're doing well you know they came in and are learning at the same pace as everybody else since there's new systems uh, going in Um, what was Really, kind of alarming uh, was was seeing those guys come in and physically. Um, those guys were at least as developed, or, or in some cases more developed, in the weight room and uh, from a conditioning standpoint than the guys that had been on the team. And so they they didn't come in uh, behind at all from that standpoint. In fact, those guys were some of our best workers in the weight room um, and the farthest ahead. So they 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 have a good opportunity, and and I think for the most part those guys are are doing a good job of taking advantage of that.
2: Were you surprised by where this team was at physically when you took over, or did you maybe have an inclination that that was an area where uh, things really had to get better?
7: Well, the way we want to do things, it had to get better, and I think the guys understood that, Uh, and again, everybody has a different way of doing things. I'm not trying to be critical of anybody, but what's worked in Nebraska for a long time is grinding in the weight room, uh, being hard workers, doing things right from a strength and conditioning standpoint, and... Taking the field with a team that's bigger and stronger than other people, um, I'm not sure that um, that's the way things had been done here. And everybody has their own way of doing things, but I- I've seen that formula work at Nebraska for a long time uh, with the the most state-of-the-art strength and conditioning program in the country. And the way that we want to win uh, is definitely going to uh, put a really big emphasis on being a- as big, fast, and strong as we can get. And Zach Devall's the right guy to do that in there. Um, we weren't anywhere near what I'd like our team to look like when we got here. Uh, so we're working to get there.
2: Now you've been super busy and, and you hit the ground running, but h- how funs has it been so far for you to be back? And, and I'm sure uh, you've heard from a ton of people in your past, people that have already reached out to you.
7: Yeah, it's great to be home. You know, it, One of the things that drew me back here was just from my familiarity with the state, uh, my love for the university and the state and the people here. Uh, I think Nebraska's best asset always has been and always will be its people. Uh, a lot of the people here are my friends, and it's been great to to reconnect with a lot of those guys. Uh, Aaron Taylor was in my office last night. I hadn't seen Aaron since my wedding, and uh, just great to see guys like that that, that I have uh, spent a lot of time with and and battled with. And uh, he's he's definitely one of the guys that made us what we were a long time ago.
2: And that was New Nebraska football coach Scott Frost, our special guest. The Huskers are scheduled to work out again on Saturday. The Rural Radio Network. I'm Jason Jorgensen.
8: Livestock futures trade is just like the weather up and down and up and down. With us, Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, and we were down today.
9: Yes, we were. We were down hard Dick. once again. Volatility back in the market. and It looks like it's here to stay for a while. Uh, triple digit losses in the cattle and the feeders and in the hogs. So, uh, Uh, just uh, what can you say Uh, uh, once again the uh, tariff uh, scare hits the uh, airwaves and uh, that puts fear into everyone and uh, down we come cutouts uh, continue to fall for both hogs and cattle that's not helping matters much either and uh, so the pressure was on right from the get go we opened lower and uh, virtually just didn't look back uh, a couple of times we had some uh, short covering but uh, uh overall it was a pretty good day of uh, pretty heavy selling cattle trade uh, doesn't appear to be uh, helping any either it's uh, remaining on the soft side same way with the hogs cash hogs uh, appear to be just a little bit lower once again so uh the pressure just stayed throughout the day and uh hopefully we'll get by uh, have a nice weekend to uh relax and, and uh, maybe take a different look at the uh, markets come Monday.
8: Thanks Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Call them at 800 328 Total cattle slaughter estimated through Saturday at 615,000 and that would be about 21,000 more than the same period last week. Hog slaughter at 2,335,000 would be 56,000 less than last week. This is the Rural Radio Network
5: i Alex Wojciowski on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm talking with Taylor, Victoria, and Josie Ference of the Ord FFA chapter. Now, these ladies have been a huge part in creating the official licensed FFA fragrances. First of all, how did you come up with this idea to create a fragrance? We all wanted a, f- a fundraiser that didn't have a shelf life. We wanted something unlike the fruit that most chapters sell now that wouldn't go bad and you could sell it all year round and have no complaints about the fruit going bad or anything like that. So we are all just um, shooting around answers at the table one night and we all came up with the idea for a fragrance and we have a family friend in the big fragrance business and so that's kind of how it all started What was the process of making this official then? Okay so uh, with this fragrance company she's, she's a veteran to this, she, she did, she's done many of the fragrances um, so she knew the ways around doing the licenses and everything and so that was really the easy process was getting the health and beauty license because she's done that so many times But getting a license with the National FFA organization was our biggest obstacle right there, yeah. Um, But then once we got that, it was kind of smooth sailing, and people have just been really open to this idea and really happy with it. So was it just you three ladies who had a part in this, or was it your entire chapter who played the role to make this official? Um, There are six of us, actually, that are family, and it's our family SAE, but the Ord SSA chapter really helps us get it started. So I understand that these fragrances have names. Can you tell me a little bit about why they have names and how they were named? So the Women's perfume is called 1969. That's a big year for um, us six girls that came up with this idea because that's when women were allowed in an FFA. And then the next one is our cologne national blue. Uh, we named it national blue because that's the national color with corn gold. Can you tell me how the perfume is made? So we got our bottles from Italy, shipped to Bolas, and then we got our chemist from New York and uh, she saw a pattern in our perfumes that we loved. And she took those and made us three perfumes and three colognes. And we let our state of Nebraska choose which one we pick. And so then um, they picked the one they wanted. And then we grabbed all those materials and then took it to nationals. They sold there. And now we're back here again. So what is the best part about bringing this from a small town to something that's now on a national level? Yeah, just really putting it on the map is exciting for us because if anyone here is Nebraska, if they don't ask where that's at, they ask, uh, do we have cows? That's just the automatic <laughs> answer. So it's really cool to have something that's so unique and no one else has yet, and we have it right here in Nebraska. So. I'm also speaking with Mr. Ference, the Ord FFA advisor. What have you seen in your chapter then after this has sparked? Have you seen any progression in the sales and the advertising and just overall leadership from this project?
10: You know, one thing that's really amazed me is... The business sense of our members, because um, I mean, we'll we'll go through talk about the licensing deal and about what does it have to say to make sure we're still following our contract, um, and then also talking about shipping, uh, how important that is. That's a cost that some people don't think about when they uh, start a project like this. Uh, so, uh, the members across uh, the ORD FFA chapter has learned a lot about all the all the numbers how important that is which it doesn't matter if you're going off to college to be uh, a teacher or to coming back into production agriculture you need to have that skill uh, and it's great to see these kids developing it now uh, so it comes second nature to them after they graduate high school
5: it sounds like it's been an awesome project and I really appreciate your this time that's been Taylor Victoria and Josie Frerence along with Mr. France of the Ord FFA chapter talking about the official licensed FFA fragrances You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
8: Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. And in grain markets today, winter wheat, spring wheat futures led the way higher. Soybeans ended the day a little bit higher in the old crop months, and we were just a little bit lower in corn. Let's talk more about this with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. There's a lot of ifs out here as far as weather concerns, dry, wet, uh, cold, you name it. Yeah,
10: I think back to 2012. At this point, I think we were like 70% planning for the year. As we went into that summer, uh, the heat wave hit the spring. This is the exact opposite of what we're seeing. Obviously, cold out west. And in the north and then down south more rain just hammering the Tennessee River Valley there down into, uh, uh northeast Arkansas and northern Mississippi and the Delta regions and it's, it's gonna be ugly here over the next two weeks. Uh, more rain expected there, so. Uh, it's, it's, it's early to get too worried about this stuff, but as far as the Southern Acres go, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see a couple, th- maybe a couple hundred thousand shift by the time it's all said and done, taken away from that 88 million acre number in corn, so a lot of so supportive factors out there right now.
8: Let's look at wheat. Does this rally present a nice little factor when it comes to marketing?
10: I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so yet. I think the mm. price essentially right now is trying to get guys to decide if they're going to go out and top dress or not. The guys I work with in Southwest Kansas are... Debating that right now, uh, do they get out and put nitrogen down and, and, and spend money on a crop that could be dying, or you know, do they do they let it essentially roll under and turn into hay? I mean, I, the hay prices are really spiking in Texas, so some folks are actually thinking about going that route. Um, I think the price is certainly going to dictate uh, behavior in the short term, and I look for another run up to that 550 level. I think we'll we'll, we'll take it up that high probably don't get too much above that i i you're just going to price itself out of a lot of demand but um, that's the opportunity in my opinion for you know marketing this year's crop if you have it but next year as well i think that's the key for what you guys should be looking at look at that july 2019 marketing year uh you know you might have a chance to get a good price on uh without any threat really to the crop coming into the cards for another couple of months
8: and we don't talk short term here for corn let's talk uh a little bit more longer term or medium term we might see a spike in corn prices maybe
10: oh i think so i mean i think it's it's just the timing of it i mean i think we're going to see the market rally alone before the weather impact even kick in so start looking at the, the deferred prices on the curve if you can store your corn you might have a chance here in the next couple of weeks to sell for 3440 march or may contracts you know the spring contracts are really the ones that's moved we have not seen the carry come in yet and that'll be the next step to have
8: Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com.